Hello there, it's Scott, back with a bonus episode. You are about to hear a preview version of a premium episode that I did of an interview with John McKenzie of TIFO. We talked mostly about Arsenal this year compared to last season and how the team has changed with the different trade-offs that they have made, both with new tactics and new players and being able to just kind of change the way that they've gone with attack and defense and the way that they've controlled games. This preview will give you about half of the episode. If you want to hear the full episode, you can go to canonstats.com and subscribe as a premium member where you will get a special link to be able to put into your podcast player. This episode will also be available to subscribers of the Arsenal Vision Patreon um, and be published sometime in the coming days. Thank you, and please enjoy the preview. Yeehaw, hello, howdy. I hope wherever you're listening to, you're doing great. I am excited today because I have a very special guest. I have the pleasure of talking to John McKenzie from TIFO Football. John has just posted a very thought-provoking video, and I'm sure uh, got some good responses with uh, the title, which uh, whenever you have a, a title with a question mark, it, hmm. people usually imply the worst, but um, that was definitely not the case with the video. Um, it's a great one. This is about Arsenal. Um, thank you, John, for joining me. It's good to have you back. Yeah, so it was good to be on. Yeah, so you, you broke down the video um, into a couple different parts, and I think it made a lot of sense to kind of follow a, a similar kind of way. Um, and the, the we'll make sure to link the video in the show notes, but the, the main thrust of the video was kind of comparing Arsenal to this year and last year. Um, and, and I think there's a the main question that kind of came away from it is that it's hard to say if they're better or worse, but Arsenal are certainly different. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I didn't get so much into this as maybe as I, I would have wanted to, but I, I guess the the big question that I now have, having gone through the uh, the making of that video, is what difference does it make if a team plays differently season mm-hmm. on season? Uh, especially given that obviously Arsenal had quite a good season last season, uh, it makes sense to you would think build on what you did well last season. Uh, into the next season but it feels very much that Arsenal have taken a a sort of sideways step in a lot of different areas and yeah at the moment it doesn't look like that has been the best decision but um, plenty to get our teeth into I think in discussion. Yeah so I I mean just starting at like the high level I was kind of looking at this the other day and when you kind of just look at like the the difference like kind of uh, metrics, so you know goal difference. So this year Arsenal are one point four. Last year it was one point one. So like on that at least, there Arsenal are looking better. Um, XG, um, it's a, a similar kind of way where the the numbers are roughly the same in the XG difference. Um, the non penalty XG difference has gone down from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and the non-penalty goal difference is down from last year. So it, it paints a, an interesting kind of picture where the high level, even the points per match are roughly the same as where they were at the end of last year. But it is really interesting to see kind of how they're doing it. Would you rather start with the buildup or like the attack or defense to kind of go through what's the, the main kind of differences here? Because there's, there's, I think there's a lot of in all of these that where things are kind of different to kind of figure out what's mm-hmm. going on. 
Well, I think for me, like the build-up made sense to to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, there's a huge amount of context that needs to be set out and in the video as well. I mean, the video ended up being, what, pushing 18 minutes. So yeah. um, I wish I could have said more about <laughs> the build-up, but there's just not the, the scope really to be able to do that. But the, the big question that I've had with build-up is why is it that that Arsenal, I mean, Arsenal still are good at progressing the ball down the field. There's mm-hmm. no doubt of that. Um but for me, as I showed in the video, if you compare the the channels in which they are progressing the ball through compared to the previous four seasons, there's just been a massive drop off of central progression. Um, and so what we have ended up seeing, I think, is Arsenal progressing the ball well. If you look at any sort of, I know Mark Arstats puts out stuff after the game mm-hmm. um, and has done some has done some viz showing you know teams in terms of how well they progress the ball versus how well they stop other teams from progressing the ball and Arsenal are still progressing the ball back to front fairly well but they are progressing the ball in very very different areas uh, namely in the in the wide channels and I, I guess I, I guess for me the, the big question is not necessarily have Arsenal got worse at build-up but again Arsenal have definitely got different at build-up and um, I suppose that then raises questions about what the the longer term impacts or the wider impacts of that um, tendency now to build up progressing the ball in wide areas is going to have on on various players in the squad and the, and the chance creation of it. Um, and yeah, again, like I, I'm always very wary of, of talking about these things because I think whenever you talk in terms of something different is happening season on season it's hard not to end up falling into the trap of being like well let's talk about better or worse and I yeah, know, yeah. you know with the video title you have to you have to get people in so yes, you absolutely. have to talk about um whether or not arsenal are worse this season but um yeah the, for me that's the, the the big question if you if your build up changes and your final third output at least in terms of non penalty expected goals as you said drops off um, is is that an issue? And I, and I think I mean the the fact that the and the, the non penalty ex- expected goals versus the pe- penalties included expected goals is um, is, is such a, a tendentious topic is is interesting. I think because what we're seeing is is Arsenal possessing the ball a lot in the final third, um, but maybe not having the capacity to do with the ball what they were doing last season for a number of different reasons. So we've talked about width already, but another thing I touched on in the video was the speed at which they're moving the ball through the thirds as well. So yeah, I think for me, I don't have any problem with Arsenal building up in a different way. And and if it suggest if, if if my video suggested that, you know, building up in wider areas is worse then then I, I, uh, I didn't do what I intended to do because um, I, I do think that there are teams who are very good at, generating chances through building up in wide areas. I mean, Spurs are a great example of a team who will do that. The Postacoglu system is, is is designed to have, you know, those wide triangles and players rotating in those wide triangles to hit cutbacks and uh, and, and profit from them there. So the, the bigger question for me is, well, if the, if the build-up has changed uh, and the areas and the speed in which you're building up have changed and we're not seeing the same sorts of levels of final third production, then there's, that's a tactical issue and, and there will need to be some kind of attempt to to solve that in whatever way, be it try to build up more centrally, try to get those more dynamic attacks in or start developing your your final third tactics to be better suited to be able to score in those sorts of situations. Yeah, and, and I think it's a, a real interesting thing. So one of the things that 
you know, your mind obviously goes to when you're thinking of buildup is that Arsenal have made a very large change in the midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we, you know, replaced two of the, you know, the three midfielders from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Granite Xhaka is now playing at Leverkusen. Thomas Party has spent a lot of time hurt, but even when he did play, he was playing more as an inverted right back to bring in Declan Rice and Kai Havertz primarily as the two guys. I, I think one of the ones that's really kind of interesting to me is the the main difference in that kind of Rice and Party and how they both mm-hmm. are affecting the way that the team builds up. So just from my eyes and the way that I've seen the game, it's not to say that Declan Rice is a bad player on the ball, but I don't mm-hmm. think he has quite the same level, um, especially in like the short kind of vertical passing that you would kind of see from a, a Thomas party. And I was kind of looking at this again too. And like the, the passing percentage numbers um, are up this year where Arsenal are, are completing just over 86% last year. It was just, un, um, just under 84%. So it's a, a slight difference, but a pretty big one there. And I think that again goes to some of like where the passing is going. It's mm-hmm. less of the central buildup where the ball is going into where last year it went into, you know, Zinchenko and party. And both of those guys are known for, you know, the being more vertical, being able to do it this mm-hmm. year. It's, you know, Declan Rice and, you know, maybe he's uh, more prone to want to spray the ball out wide or maybe there's a direction to be able to do that am i off on this or is that something that you've kind of noticed as well no i think i think you're inte- you're um what you what you're seeing there is is absolutely correct and i, I think maybe the best way of, of thinking about this is is the big picture stuff in terms of what you're trying to do in mm-hmm. terms of, of build up and again not every team is going to be like this but in the last few seasons arsenal have been a team who are going to try and progress the ball through opposition blocks and the reason why blocks exist in the first place is because teams don't want to allow oppositions to be able to build up in the dangerous areas so the general principle is try and move oppositions wide and uh, and, and try and give yourself every opportunity to dr- drop your block with the the opposition's ball progression mm-hmm. um, and the really elite teams are, are, the, are the teams who can who can actually build up through those blocks and can cause problems to those um, those, those in those tight areas and and generate these uh, these scenarios where they find the free man in between the lines who can then run at, at, a, at a back line with wide players coming in as well um, and I think that's the way that Arteta wants to play. I don't think that I mean, I mean we can we can talk till the cows come home about what his intentions are in terms of changing up the build up structure and um, maybe you know thinking that things need to change given the personnel he has at his disposal. But I don't think that before the season started, he was in a position where he was thinking, right, let's start trying to reinvent the wheel when it comes to build up and let's try and find ways of, you know, moving around the block and then moving the ball inside, which I think, you know, we've seen examples of that happening, but again, it's just, it's, it's just not as efficient as being able to move the, move the ball through the block. And so when it comes to Arsenal this season, when you have a player like Rice, who is going to be played in that pivot role, with someone else joining him from from wherever, uh, I talked a lot about the the left eight dropping into that spot or the fullback dropping into that spot. But there's the potential for any number of players to drop into that spot, and we've seen, you know, Erdogan dropping in. We've seen Martinelli even dropping in. We've seen Gabriel Jesus dropping in, uh, and and you know that's the beauty of 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 these sort of positional teams that you you develop these build up structures where there's a load of fluidity and flexibility and the ability to, you know pull the opposition block apart by moving players around. 
But I think the problem when you have a, a pivot player like Rice who maybe favours receiving the ball outside of the block mm-hmm. is that you then have to rely on other players getting inside the block in order to do to do the the pinning stuff, which is you know making the the block as compact as possible because there's always the the worry that you're going to um, get uh, the opposition progressing the ball through that block. But also, you know, the threat the threat has to exist that you can actually move the ball through tight congested spaces into more dangerous um, scoring areas. And so th- th- there's a number of things to say there. One is that often those players are coming from further up the pitch. So we are seeing Erdogan dropping in a little bit, bit deeper. Mm-hmm. We are seeing Martinelli at times dropping into the space that opens out when Rice drops outside of the block. Um, Gabriel Jesus as well. Yeah, I think that might be and one that- of the things that uh, is such a big miss this year because, um, you know, Jesus has spent a, a mm-hmm. lot of time not um, inside the, the starting lineup. I think he's yeah, started more sure. Champions League matches than Premier League matches thus far. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I mentioned this because, you know, the more players that you are, re- if you drop a player out of the block and then bring another player into that block, you're taking them away from the front line, which means if you do move the ball through the opposition's lines of pressure, then you're you have fewer players to attack with, which is going to impact your your attacking numbers as well. So, yeah, it's, it, it feels to me as though there's like lots of knock-on effects that are impacting players all over the field. So um, there's been lots of arguments in the Arsenal fan base about the role of Vertigore this season. Mm-hmm. Why is he declining? Um, in the video, I showed that his expected, goal, expected assist numbers are about half what they were last season. And that's obviously an issue for um, a team where, you know, you nominally want your, your eights to be creative in some way. Um and I think, again, you know, th- th- there's reasons for that, um, both in terms of the fact that Erdogan is being dragged away from the front line, uh, but also in terms of the, the dynamics and the, sp- the speed at which Arsenal are attacking at now. So, yeah, I think this is, this is um, it's a change which, so Arsenal are different in terms of the, the build-up. It's a change which, you know, nominally doesn't need to be an issue if you're consistently progressing the ball into those into the final third in the wide areas. But it seems to me that once you're getting into those wide areas, you don't have... Uh, necessarily the way of converting that ball progression and and possession into more dangerous chances, which is, I I guess, a little bit more worrying. Yeah, and I think that is certainly the worry. Um, And I think this kind of goes with a a little bit of the trade-off. So I know you're kind of mentioning speed towards goal, and this is something that, you know, I've looked at as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So last year, Arsenal's speed towards goal was, um, this is how I I measure it. So it's uh, 2.12 yards, uh, progressive yards per second in possession. Um, This year, it's 1.81. So that's a a fairly large drop-off. Arsenal last year were not necessarily a fast team, but they were more of the the lower uh, mid-table on the, the fast teams. They were not the slowest team. And now this year, they have gone um, just second to, to Manchester City in you know the, the speed towards goal overall. Um, this has also seen Arsenal's kind of direct attacks drop quite a bit. So this is mm-hmm. down from uh, 1.2 down to 1. So again, not a, a massive number, but that's a, you know, a, a missing shot every four games type of uh, drop. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's a two or three chances this season that haven't come, you know, compared to last year where they were able to, to get ahead and do those kinds of things. Yeah. And I think, as I say, there's a number of reasons why that those drop-offs have occurred. One of them is, as we've said, the, the build-up has changed. And I, I don't think, I mean, a lot of people have responded to the video saying you're not talking a, a lot about how teams are sitting in lower blocks against us. But I think that the, dynam- the, the dynamic aspects, the dynamism of a team 
impacts the abilities of uh, oppositions to feel as though they can press higher up the field and then get back into their low block if that progression isn't necessarily quick as well. But um, also there's the stuff on game state effects as well, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I know you've you've looked at a lot. You looked at that last season in terms of uh, the amount of goals that Arsenal were scoring early on in games and that being a situation which suits Arsenal because they are a team who are going to play transitionally quite well given the players that they have or or even playing in in those artificial transitions as we call them where you the idea is that you move the ball through the first few lines of pressure to create those open spaces that you can then attack through Martinelli Bakaya Saka uh, and then you know a player like Martin Erdegaard who I think is really a, a really elite dynamic attacking player in those situations when he's able to receive the ball uh, between the lines so yeah I, I definitely think there's um the, the, there's compounding effects from things like um the, the fact that you know the game states haven't necessarily been as favorable this season um but yeah I, I suppose then the, the question is how, how you, you solve all of these things and um for me at the moment I, as I've said like either you go back to trying to be the dangerous team that you were last season in terms of being able to progress the ball centrally if you don't feel as though you have the personnel to do that then the solution has to come in the final third because you're getting so much I mean people talking about field tilt a lot I think in the Arsenal fan base because you've got wild field tilt but obviously field tilt is only useful if you are generating those you know final third entries into box entries and and then converting those into dangerous chances so um, there's definitely questions to be asked about how you could maybe convert uh, possession of the ball in wide areas into more dangerous chances going forward as well. Yeah, and this is a a bit of a, a bugaboo from for me because you know every time I, I post the the graphics you know after a match, and especially after a match where Arsenal you know draw or lose or something like that, but the field tilt is tilted you know heavily in Arsenal's favor. Mm-hmm. Um, and just for people who aren't aware of what field tilt is, like it's a a relatively simple measure. It's it, it's essentially just the the share the ratio of final third touches for both teams. And, you know, I think the the idea of what field tilt is trying to capture is everybody kind of has an intuitive sense of when you're watching a game, when a team is kind of like piling on pressure or like you can kind of get a sense of the territorial battle of, you know, where, where the game is actually happening. And I think that is kind of the general idea of what field tilt is trying to measure. Uh, just because a team has more of the ball or has putting more pressure on them doesn't necessarily mean that they've played better or worse, right? That's that's one of those things that it's just measuring something that you see in the game. And um, it's not necessarily always associated with winning, but generally better teams have more possession in the final third. Um, there are obvious exceptions to that. You know, you could kind of think of some of the the classic, uh, you know, uh, Atletico Madrid teams or, you know, some of the Antonio Conte mm-hmm. type of teams where, you know, they, you know, played a slightly different way. Uh, so I know that's something that, that I've always you know, people try to get mad at me for you know posting field tilt or those kinds of things and say that it's it's a useless stat and it's like well what are you trying to use it for and I think that's one of the things mm-hmm. that I think people tend to miss on that. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting as well that teams are constantly developing tactically and and in in, in terms of their ability to interpret the data and uh, uh, there's plenty of teams in the Premier League now who will be happy to allow possession if they feel as though the opposition having possession isn't a dangerous uh, situation for them so uh, again you, you know all of these metrics that are based around um, you know, possession of the ball, the ball in traditionally dangerous areas, namely the the final third. Um, I think expected threat is another good example of that. Right, it's a that's a metric where, largely speaking, the the more possession you have of the ball near the opposition goal, the more you're you're going to accrue threat. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's always about that conversion between 
getting that that possession in dangerous areas and, and producing dangerous chances. Um, and I think that the, it, it's well worth keeping in mind the fact that, that uh, you know, with the way that the Premier League is right now, where there is a massive discrepancy between the top and the bottom, teams at the bottom are trying to find increasingly creative ways of being able to survive in those areas, in those scenarios when the ball is in dangerous areas for the opposition uh, without it necessarily turning into those dangerous chances as well. Yeah, I think that is something interesting, right? So if we kind of switch now to thinking about stopping dangerous chances, mm-hmm. I think that is something where Arsenal are absolutely shining this year. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there might be I think there's a lot of things that are just kind of trade-offs um, in the way that you go about playing. So like Arsenal could play a more you know, risky swashbuckling style, but it would probably come at the expense of, you know, giving more opportunities for the opposition to hurt them. And I think that right now Arteta has certainly switched to favoring. We're going to absolutely limit what the opposition is getting and we're going to, you know, kind of hope that our, you know, attacking talent kind of can shine through there. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm looking here, you know, so the, the numbers for uh, against are down significantly. So last year, mm-hmm. Arsenal's attack was, or the defense was good, but it was not nearly as good as last year or as this year. So mm-hmm. uh, goals is down to 0.8 this year up from 1.1 last year. Uh, non-penalty expected goals uh, was 1.2 down and now it's one or sorry, 8.89. Sorry, reading out numbers is hard, even though you think <laughs> I should be better at it. The one that I thought that was really interesting is actually just the XG per shot as well. So last year, Arsenal had one of the, the highest XGs per shot. So they were, they were good at keeping people from getting into the final third and getting shots. But the shots that they were allowing were generally fairly high quality. So a 13% average shot quality this year, that's down to 10%, which is a lot closer to league average. So a lot less of those ones where teams are kind of cutting through them or being able to kind of break through their own defensive lines. So I think that perhaps, you know, some of this slow buildup, some of this, you know, focusing on keeping the ball away from your own goal has not necessarily been in the, you know, the goal of trying to get more goals, but trying almost to be a goal prevention measure. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, from my own sort of uh, neutral position looking on, it seems as though, Mikel Arteta found the, the the sort of constant losses against Manchester City to be quite wearing, and it feels as though to me a lot of the tactical developments, including the the players who have brought in over the summer, have been designed to uh, avoid being as open maybe as as you have been in the past mm-hmm. in those central areas against teams like Man City. Um, and look, I, I'm on record saying that Arsenal. I think are the best out of possession team in the world. Yeah, right you've, been, now. you've been heavily quoted about that. I, I have, <laughs> and and I find it funny, you know, because it's almost like damning with faint praise to an extent. Because when you're an elite team, um, and in you know, I've I've garnered a reputation of being the out of possession guy, but I'm very much a pragmatist when it comes to this. That when you're an elite team, you have to be realistic about what extent you need your out of possession play to be in order to be a functional elite team. And I think when you look at someone like Pep Guardiola, I always get the impression that he's got his out of possession play to a, a sort of level of practicality where it doesn't require a huge amount of, you know, retweaking here and there, depending on who he's playing. Um, you, he, they, they have a sort of fairly uh, repeatable structure. They, they can change things. They can push wingers higher and drop the front line deeper and go with one or two in the front line. But 
what they are setting themselves up to do is to be good enough out of possession to be able to defend um, any lead that their attacking unit create. And I think that that's what I find so fascinating about Arsenal this season is that it feels as they've got they've gone very much the other way around in in terms of thinking right we've got to absolutely make sure we're we've got our out of possession stuff sorted and then we can worry about the attacking uh, aspects later on and uh, I, for me that's putting the cart before the horse or whatever cliche works best in this situation but um, maybe it'd be interested to hear your your thoughts on this because. I do feel as though Arsenal now just incredibly difficult to score against. Uh, and it shouldn't be surprising when you look at some of the signings that have been made. I mean, Declan Rice is pound for pound the best player in in defending those large spaces between your back line and your pressing unit. He's also brilliant if you want to play him in your front line press too, mm-hmm. both in terms of his intelligence and his physicality and mobility. Um, Kai Havertz equally. Like, I mean, everyone talks about what what is it that Havertz does in possession and uh, you often feel as though he's sort of betwixt and between in the same way that we did when he was at Chelsea but there's no one denying that he isn't a fantastic out of possession player as well even bringing in someone like Durian Timber um, as, a, as a sort of backup and a flexible a flexible tactical option to to play um, on, in, in, instead of maybe Zinchenko again I even consider that to be like you know that's that's a transfer with out of possession upside definitely Absolutely, yeah and so yeah, it, it, to me, it feels as though I, I have no surprise. I'm not surprised whatsoever that Arsenal have improved out of possession this this season. The the, the out of possession system that that Mikel Arteta has built is is impressive, and I watch it, and I'm you know it's this it's so hard to find those those weak spots, and you know the the recent game against Manchester City was sort of a, a classic example of, of of what that kind of system entails, right? In that it it generates these scenarios where you can stay in games long enough to be able to pick up a goal and 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 win one nil and that's that's very much the the intention but I suppose in the long run my 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 question is always going to be surely it's better to attack to create to create more in attack and have a functional out of possession system than to um, you know, be basically impenetrable and have a relatively functional attacking system. But I don't know how you would uh, go about thinking about that. Yeah, my weighting definitely would go towards the other way. But I think it is kind of interesting. So as Arteta you know, has been with Arsenal, I think that this has been a bit of his pattern. So mm-hmm. that that first his first full season, I think he kind of dialed back some of his you know, principles in attack and focused on, you know, making sure that the the defense was solid, um, use that as a, a foundation to build upon. Um, you could see that first year, the, the attacking numbers went way down, but it was paired with a defense that was quite good. Um, and then, you know, he started to kind of loosen up the rain a little bit. And, you know, the, the year that Arsenal just uh, finished outside of the, the top four, the, the attack was yeah. starting to be good, especially in the second half. Um, you know, it's hard to see numbers that, you know, approached um, kind of the similar kind of level that we were at, you know, the last, you know, 18 months or so. Um, and then last year, you could really see that, all right, this is the attack fully kind of unleashed. 
but I think that there was a little bit of potential scarring. And this is me certainly kind of projecting what I think Arteta sees at the end of last year. So Arsenal, you know, losing Saliba, who I think is a, a very, very good player for being able to do what mm-hmm. you need to do in the back and kind of being able to play some of the, the, the high line and the, you know, the higher risk type of defensive uh, compression of, you know, you know, making that space small. Uh, losing him, I think, kind of scarred him. He's like, all right, we're going to kind of start back from basics a little bit and we're going to make sure that we're hard to beat first and then kind of go into, you know, maybe we'll see a little bit more in the attack, hopefully down the line. But me and this is something that I've looked at again. When you're an elite team, I think that going towards goals scored is the better way if you're going to make a trade-off. I, I do think that is the way. If you were just looking to stay up, uh, you know, keeping uh, games tight is the the way to do it. But on the you know high end, three points is just better than one point, and mm-hmm. you have more upside with more goals scored. Like you you can't you know uh, let a team score less than zero goals, and if you don't score, that's just a goal. You know, that's a, a draw. Those kinds of things. So that's where I kind of think if you're getting mm-hmm. two to three goals scored, you're going to win a lot more than even if you're kind of holding a, a team to you know zero to one type of goals. Mm-hmm. It's also worth mentioning, I think, that out of possession stuff is just as much about control as it is about preventing goals scored. And and a lot of people, I think, I, I say stuff like this on Twitter all the time. It seems to blow a lot of people's minds. But I, I I agreed with your your narrative in terms of what happened in the various seasons under Arteta and that first season where I was like, okay, Arsenal are legit under Arteta. And I know I get this is a stick that I have beaten around my head because. It was that for it was that season where you just dropped out of the top four, mm-hmm. and a lot of people wanted to be like, "Well, it was obvious Arteta was a great manager before that." But what really changed for me was uh, in that season. I think was the first time that you really started showing signs of being able to control the ball out of in, in every out of possession phase. So including like high pressing, uh, mid blocking, and, and dropping into a low block as well. And just looking at the um, the, the rolling XG for that season. It doesn't start out particularly impressive, and the, the the defensive numbers are pretty bad uh, at first. And then you get midway through the season, and it just flips both ways. So your XG goes goes shooting up, and your mm-hmm. XGA goes shooting down. And I think that's a classic example of of you know starting to be able to control games and, and it not quite clicking, and uh, opponents being able to get the get the benefit of you being just just about on the cusp of being good but then it just flipped a switch flipping midway through the season where suddenly the you know the press is just slick every time people can't get through it you're generating chances in in high turnovers as well uh, but also your, your build-up in, in, improves as well and when you have the capacity to control the game out of possession it makes it so much easier then for you to be able to be more dangerous in possession as well because you're, you are able to stop the opposition from being able to just sit you back for ages and, and, and eventually break you down. You, you can just compete in games so much better. And I think that's what happened in those games. And I think, you know, Arsenal are, are so good at that now. Uh, it's not just that they're able to um, stop the opponent from generating chances on them when, you know, you're in those transitional moments or when uh, when you're being forced back and, and you're having to defend your box. It's that you can actually force opponents to lose the ball or to not progress the ball higher up the field uh, and give yourself the capacity and breathing room to be able to, um, you know, stop those from becoming um, just those tiring um, scenarios where you're constantly sitting deeper in your, in in your own half and having to 
progress the ball backwards and forwards and move up and down the field. But and I think that's where where Arsenal is so dangerous now. So um, I think control is a really important aspect to consider when it comes to some of this stuff as well. Yeah, and I think that kind of goes into some of the pressing things that I wanted to talk about. So I know uh, Ten Hag had a a moment the other day where he was kind of talking about what he measured as a good way to, or you know, or the I guess the success measure for his pressing right is to to generate shots and create these transitions for that and i'm not sure that i think arsenal would like to use that to be able to to kind of create transition moments but i'm not sure that is the goal of their Mm -hmm. pressing um i don't know if that's kind of what you've seen with some of their out of possession type of style yeah i mean i think this season is funny because i don't think that it is the goal of your counter your counter pressing and high pressing either um, but at the moment, it's it is proving to be quite a dangerous way of generating chances. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a, a, a nice benefit, but it's not yeah. the goal. Yeah, sure. And especially when... All right, that's it for the preview. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And if you'd like to get the full episode, you go to canonstats.com and subscribe. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>